Hey modelers, welcome to the Model Geek Scale Modeling Podcast. Here we'll be discussing just about anything and everything as it relates to scale models. So buckle up for what we believe will be an exciting journey into the world of scale modeling. We really hope that you will download and make us a regular part of your modeling bench sessions. Now here are the geeks, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, Andrew Frill, and Andrew White. Engine start selector switch. Off. Bleed air. Fuselage. Shut off valves. Closed. All right. The abbreviated after start checklist is complete. What's crack a Model Geeks? And welcome to episode 11 of the Model Geeks podcast. Frildo's got the takeoff today. And I am joined up front with my three co-hosts, old D-Ran, Scott Samo, Nemo, and everybody's favorite, Whitey. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> Episode 11. Why is he everybody's favorite? I'm a favorite. Awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, man. You got a cool name. I'm just happy I'm not stuck in the back cleaning toilets. So thanks, Frill. <laughs> not a problem, man. I'll let you sit up front this time. Yeah. Someone's, someone's got to some clean the windows. Some of that pilot stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, so been a busy Deal. week. That's been Oof, already going on. Yeah. What you guys got going on, man? What you guys working on? Well, Darren, what are you working on? I am still just pressing along on the uh, F4, the Tamiya F4. I am sticking true to my guns. I'm not letting any squirrels out. There's nothing Squirrel. there. But, there's no squirrels. Just the F4. And it's coming along swimmingly. Um, Yo, they're all at my house. That's that's where all the damn squirrels are. <laughs> so, newsflash, guys. Uh-oh. Just when you thought the Tomcat was one of the best ones you'd ever built, out comes the F4. No. It's that much is that better. good? They, yep, it's that much and better. They, and they have gone and totally redeemed themselves. Man, it is. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure. You guys are going to enjoy the hell out of it. I need to get working on mine. Yeah, you do, dude. I might have this coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. I'll just put all the other one, two, three, four, five. Six. There you go. Squirrels. Well, I'll, put them, I'll put them back in the cage and I'll start. That's why you go one at a time. On the, yeah, I know. You're right. You, I, I, I have no argument there. I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm just going to be quiet. You're right. Bye. I, Although I, I do feel a um, palate cleanser coming my way because this tornado kid is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't a squirrel. That's more like a Gen know, from rabid, Genesis Designs is correct. Awesome or something. It's, yeah, it's not. Um. Yeah. Anyway, that, oh, I kind of jumped on what's on. No, no, you're that, no, you're good. But, you're good. I mean, that's, that's obviously all it was still on mine. Then I, is is the tornado? I, yeah, I was gonna say it's a great segue into to you, Whitey. So because that was it. That's. I mean, F4, okay, F4. but so to that end, it is coming together, but it's not, um, uh, it, it's not moving quickly. Uh, a lot of cleanup. Uh, right now I'm at the wings and I'm going to go back and watch that Genesis design and model craft video that she did on the wings to figure out, uh, she did some interior, some internal structural mods to it to keep it, you know, so with the wing spread and ordinance, ordinance hanging on it, uh, you don't have no, Nothing Boeing, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I have to uh, go back and watch her video on that. And, and that's going to be my next step is modi modifying the wings. 
Now, didn't she fill in a gap? Because like, I think when the wings are forward, isn't there like a gap right there at the kit where she had to go in and she filled that in? Yep. And that's a whole another thing I have to do as well. So take care of that. I got a lot of evergreen, uh, evergreen plastic kicking around. So Yeah, you got skills, though. You, so it shouldn't be that kit's going to look up. I can't wait to see uh, when it's finished. I haven't, I've never seen yeah. a, one of the Gulf War tornadoes done right with the, the right color, that desert pink and chipped and, yeah, man. you know, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. I haven't even seen one of these Ravel ones built up yet. Uh, I can't remember I, if, um, I haven't seen, you know, the last Richmond show. I don't recall seeing one or, you know, the kid's no. been out a while, but I, I don't even recall seeing one like at the Nats. I know if I if I saw one of these things built up, I'd, I'd remember it. And I, don't, I just don't recall ever seeing one. Yeah, I mean, I've not, seen pictures of them online, but I'm talking in person. I want to get a look yeah, at right, it in person. Yeah. 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 I don't think I, I can't remember ever seeing one. That would kind of stand out on a table, you know, at a show or something. See a desert pink yeah, tornado. They're just the Sammo, what you working on over there, man? Well, I'm still uh banging away on the SU27 but just slowly and uh I think I'm going to like I said I'm going to put them all away and cuz I really want to get crackalacking on the F4 so I think that's that's what I'm going to do um yep so that's it not a whole lot from the bench um just been slowly plugging away at the SU27 a couple other kits but um yeah I'm going to start get get working on the on the phantom here asap cool well you're gonna enjoy the living hell out of it my friend sweet man that's awesome <laughs> i know i know how you you were gushing over the uh f14 when you built it yeah it's and, i mean there's there's like only one or two little things that i'm like eh, but they're small you know just uh itty bitty bitty stuff and that's the f14 is the nicest kit i've ever built so if you're telling me that the f4 is even nicer than the tomcat Stand by. Man. Yep. Cool. It's, Good deal. You're going to enjoy the hell out of it. Cool. And to go along with that, we got some good news that, you know, we're going to find out about later on in the show when we have our first Bench Time with the Geeks episode. So that'd be something to listen up for. Well, that's good. As for me, the only thing, well, now that the uh, the tracker is gone, it's like wide open for me. I finished up the kitten craft ride. I think that's how you say it. I painted the the figures, my first time painting 135th scale figures, and they're done. They're they are what they are. So glad to have another model done, and I'll set this one aside and finish up the A4M. Then when I get that done, one of the things I would like to do is I'd like to have a better base, like a decent looking base with my models, and so trying like trying to figure that out with the tracker and then when i get that done i'll make a little base for the kitten red because it comes with three different you know figures and they kind of look cool just put them there kind of lend some uh scale to a subject and so because you go to a show and always you know mesmerized by the bases that some of these guys come up with man they just look so cool and i'm like man i want to be able to do something like that so here in a little bit i'm gonna start focusing on you know trying to do up some bases for these things to see how they come out and uh well i gotta tell you about it i I really like the way your figures came out Uh, i think that your first time doing them that was really a good job uh no thanks but but i i have to ask are you gonna put sunglasses on them 
I just know if you're going to fix the cross-eyed guy there that's looking. Well, nice. no, man, that's that's lost <laughs> from Goonies, man. I got to tie in Goonies hey, in this somehow. Guys. <laughs> and that's locked as a German soldier. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding, man. That, they you really know, look good. They really do look good. You gotta have you gotta have sloth in there. You know, kind of. Uh, you got to brings it all together. Slothy's good, man. He's got a big heart. They were mean to him, you know. They were. Granted, his family. eyeball was down. His eyeball was down where his cheek's supposed to be. So I can <laughs> see how the kids, the kids might be a little mean to him. But you know, poor old Slothy. He's, you know, don't make him mad. Freaking. No. I tell you what. You know, don't oh. ask him to do like the truffle shuffle. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put the suggestion out there that since this was Frodo's first shot at figures and he did slothy, we need to change his call sign. <laughs> Maybe he needs to be slothy for now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Frodo, how's it going? Yeah. Hey, you guys! <laughs> it's like one of my all-time favorite movies, man. <laughs> it is a great movie. It is, that is a great movie. There's just something not, about the '80s, man. They had the best movies yeah, and the best music. Well, I just well, we, we were talking about that the other day. I agree, man. The '80s movies are like the best. I mean, Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Goonies, of course, Howard the Duck, Weird Science, Weird Science, Risky Business. He's an asshole. Any, anybody who got a haircut <laughs> like that, you know, they's an asshole. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist that one. <laughs> That's my all-time favorite. <laughs> well, he gets a whale's dick, honey. <laughs> uh, we're getting off the topic here. We're but all right. All right. Yeah. All right. No, Let's get back good, on centerline here. Let's get all back, right, on, back center on centerline. Let's yeah. do it. All right. Well, all right, all man. Right. So glad that everybody's staying busy during this time, so that's good. All right. Yeah. Moving on, we're going to go on to the... The time for the geeks news. All right, guys. <laughs> what have you guys heard? Anything going on in the, in the Marvel universe? Sounds <laughs> like the teletype coming. The teletype is just burning up in the corner over there. Phil's teletype needs some oil. Yeah, <laughs> a little maintenance. <laughs> some like holy balls! It just kicked out a press release. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh. Cool, well, man. And, Darren, and, what's and, up, man? What you got? And I do have a press release. There you <laughs> go. I like that. Uh, so I got a uh, press release from uh, Bob uh, Lamasaro on the 2021 National Convention in Las Vegas. And uh, folks were, I don't know, majority of folks are going to be pleased to hear that Las Vegas is returning to 100% open with no attendance restrictions as of June 1st. Completely open, no attendance. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to hit a couple of little highlights here. Cool. Uh, they're following all the CDC guidelines uh, that were set forth as of May 15th uh, was put out. The Rio has come out and said they will abide by those CDC guidelines and not require masks inside or outside of their properties. So, next Good will deal. be mask-free. He uh, shot some numbers uh, based on pre-registration. They're projecting a record-breaking 3,500-plus models to be on display or in competition. Wow. Big show. We'll, we'll big be show. there. That's, yeah, that's big show. Be huge, man. Huge. Yep. Um, vendor tables, uh, 285 vendor tables sold. 
You know, they're at 95%, 98% of uh, trophy sponsorship sales done. Uh, it's it's all coming together for those guys. I will say that they are asking, f- they're looking for volunteers. This is going to be a big event. So wow. uh, they're looking for, for volunteers to help with model registration, security, raffle sales, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I will get that contact information for anybody, any of the listeners that wants to a volunteer out there. I'll put it in the show notes, and uh, y'all can reach out. But uh, big undertaking trying to put the show on, so any and all help is going to be wow. greatly appreciated. I'll put that. Man, I got a question. Registering. Hmm? Pre-registering yeah. is the big help. Yes, that is yep. a huge help, and they do outline that here in their deal. Uh, they, and the pre-registration that, goes on till thirty-one January, uh, thirty-one July. Yeah. So you've got some time still to save yourself the time. You know, save save your you know save the time and pre-register. That way, you just grab and go. Grab your goodie bag and head on in. That's right. Yeah, they're encouraging it. So pre-registration. That's a you, know, you can save a couple bucks too by doing it that way. So I got a question. Anybody know what a kidney goes for on the black market? Because <laughs> people are going to be selling some bodily organs to fund this Nats trip. <laughs> yes, it's going to be a good trip, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be good times. But that's what I got. That's my news. Awesome. Whitey, what you got, man? Um, Let's see. Shizuoka? That show? There I go. The Shizuoka that. Hobby Show was, yeah, was May 13th and 14th. Yeah, I think just wrapped up. And, and a couple of things that jumped out at me just just because was, uh, let's see, Aoshima. They got a couple of Japanese C2 transports, one 144-scale kits, and not to be confused with the Grumman Cod. That's the um, other the Japanese jet transport. Fine Molds has uh, some the 172 F4 series expanded into the F4J and the F4D. And, and one thing that I thought was kind of interesting I, I think i posted a picture to you guys was a pig model who i've never heard of before but they have a 135 scale uh navy u.s navy five inch twin gun mount like you see on like uh like on a carrier like forward of the island or along the sides of like battleships and stuff like that yeah. all those world war ii movies and documentaries you always see those guns we should that's cool we yeah. gotta let that guy the who what's the gentleman's name super nice guy phil is it phil, phil. in the club who yeah. scratch phil. builds yes with the, with the cat yeah. we gotta let him know about that Motorized it. you don't have he'll to have scratch it. build it anymore it's a kid he'll, he'll <laughs> have it shooting 22 yeah. caliber <laughs> yeah Bullet. god he's talented uh, when <laughs> yeah, the ATF's around yeah that's some of that stuff that he builds with this you know, with the caps and the oh my road God. pan. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm like, man, I don't even know how to, I don't have the brain power to even think about how I would make that stuff work. And he's just like, yeah, all that super intricate. It's impressive. It is extremely. So, and let's see, outside of that, you know, I mentioned earlier the uh, tornado. And in the last episode, I talked about um, the 3D printed nose that, that, uh, young lady was using on hers and so i went ahead and put that word out to you guys and wound up ordering let's see seven of these things for for the for the geeks and and beyond um from a company called um what's it called uh flying start models over there in the uk uh run by a fellow named tim perry nice guy um so he went ahead and uh took my order and wow what's that like a week and a half ago and here they are already Wow, that's awesome. Uh, you, got that stuff, you got that stuff quicker from the yeah. UK than I can get something from Maine. 
crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it, the, the really fantastic looking 3D printed, uh, again, tor- Tornado GR1 nose. And uh, Gabe, he wanted an F3. He does. This guy does m- mainly 132 scale accessories, ordnance, and other stuff. And then he's got uh, his 148 scale line consists of right now the uh, Tornado GR1 and F3 uh, nose cones. And um, cool. also he does a... Uh, he tossed me a for a deal. I got a uh, tornado ground power unit, um, RAF power unit, Houchin six eighty ground power unit in forty eight scale. It's also resin and three D printed. Um, so I figured, all right, I'll pick that up too while while I'm at it, just to have it displayed next to the jet. So that's my buys for the week, I guess. Cool. Well, the only thing I really have is um. I was looking in um, IPMS San Diego is hosting a model expo on Saturday, 5 June at the Gillespie Field Annex at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. So that would be, you know, their, I guess their first show of this season, warm up before the Nats. Cool. I actually went in San Diego then. <laughs> oh, there you go. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then Academy, I guess, has got a new P40N coming out in 48 scale. And I saw some rumblings or anything, people getting excited about it. And then like, I've never built it, but the old MOV kit is what this kit is, just a rebox of the old MOV 48 scale P40N. But I think I've seen some of those built up pretty nice, though. I mean, I mean, doesn't it build into a nice kit? I think it's okay. I don't think it's perfect or anything, but I think it's kind of buildable. Yeah, I don't think it's too bad. I think the AMT kit is just as good, though. Is it AMT? P40 seems to be one of those kits that just nobody has perfected yet. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm surprised like... uh, Big T hasn't, but I don't think he probably doesn't like it. Otherwise, it would probably have one. You know, in 48 scale, he's got almost everything else. But yep, no P40. I I, I don't like. You know, it's funny. I, I can't remember which version of the P40 is the one that has the little bit of a longer tail. Is it the N? Might have a little bit of a longer tail, but there's one that's like uh, I want to say it's the K or the, the tail is kind of small and like it's shorter and the tail looks, looks really fat and it just doesn't have a very sexy profile. Um, you know, but the, I think the end was it's still pretty, pretty cool looking plane. But yeah. Yeah. The, you know, new additions to the stash or anything wise. I mean, we had the, uh, Bill Brierton had his firehouse hobbies garage sale this weekend. And I oh, think yeah. we all, Man. Came away with some pretty good deals. Man, and, uh, man. I mean, I know I stocked up on about 20-something bottles of Gunsy Aqueous. And I picked up the 48-scale ICM HE-111, which, you know, I've had a couple other ICM kits in the stash. And I always thought that their molding was a little on the soft side. But I looked at this thing, and the molding is amazing on this and it gives you two full engines and the detail looks really good. It's nice and crisp. So that might be a future build later on one of these years. Yeah. And, you uh, got to give a, got to give a shout out to bill. And you know, the worst thing is when you go to a vendor or, you know, any a hobby, a show and you hit the vendors and you've got the guys that are charging retail oh, for their man, kits. Yeah. And it'll just, it's just, you know, come on, guys. And uh, and Bill, I just want to say thank you, Bill, for hooking us up because we had some incredible deals. I mean, just great kits, great condition, 
and fantastic deals. I, I, you know, I added up everything that I bought. I, I only, what I pay $183 and I added up, you know, if I had to pay retail, it's like 850, almost $900 yeah. worth of yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. You came I mean, with gun, a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. It was, it was, I just couldn't resist on. And then like you said, the Gunsy paint for 10 cents, 10 cents never been bottle. touched. Brand new. Yeah. Bottle. Brand spanking new. So now did anybody go $150 worth of paint for two bucks or whatever it was? You know? Yeah, it was, it was ridiculously cheap. Did anybody go back and pick up that 24 scale Airfix Hellcat? Uh, no, I, I, uh, I messaged him. It sold. <laughs> oh, man. oh, I'm surprised none of 70, us got it. But... 78 bucks. I should have jumped That's on that like a grenade, man. Yep. Yeah. You won't find it anywhere for less than that. No, 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 nowhere I, close to that. Actually. No. No, the deal. If I were there, I would have grabbed it for sure. The bag kits were the biggest. That was the biggest deal right there. I mean, I got, I think I got six or seven, and they are all complete. The only thing is they just don't have the box. Yep. And I mean, we're talking, you know, 30 second scale 190 or 109s from Hasegawa, new tool, $10. Yeah. I mean, in all most the, yeah. In, in wrapper, yeah, the it, inner bag still was sealed. sealed. The, yeah, it yep. never been broken. Just I, it just didn't have the box. I picked up that Hobby Boss Avenger for twenty dollars. Yeah. And oh, by the way, <laughs> it had yeah. the Edward Big Ed set in it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, twenty bucks <laughs> for twenty bucks. In a and a lot kit. of those kits had a lot of complete like aftermarket with them too. Yeah. And oh yeah, masks. It was, it was awesome, and I think all of them had yeah. the sack white metal gear too. I think they all. I think every kit. That had aftermarket with it had a set of those gear with it. I know the 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 HE one one eleven has it has them as well. So thanks, so. Bill. Thanks for hooking yeah, us up. Yeah, Bill. For, appreciate. Yep. Appreciate. We'll do it, it again. Sorry you missed out, Whitey. Yeah, I'll make the fall one. <laughs> you saw him? I'll do one in the fall. Okay, as well. good. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get yeah. a tent and go just camp out and wait for him to open. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice because when we got there, he was open for business, and we were like, uh, "Is he open?" Yeah, I think we were the second. There was one guy there yeah. in front of us, and that was it. And then we were there, yeah. freaking loaded up. I was, I was totally yeah, expecting to sit there for forty-five minutes to drink my coffee. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, Look, no, that's going yeah, it's good." All right, well, that's good. That's good. Hey, Darren, why don't you take a minute and um, shout out the the other fellow podcasters out there? Yeah, man, no problem. Uh, if uh, you folks out there enjoy listening to us and would like to hear even more modeling discussion while you're sitting at your bench, then uh, take the time to download any of the other scale modeling-related podcasts that are out there. Uh, each one of these guys has their own take on the hobby, and they all cover a wide range of modeling topics and subjects. Uh, we have out of Australia down there with uh, Dave and the Podfather, Ian and Julian. They're at On the Bench. Uh, Mike and Dave are over in Kentucky with Plastic Model Mojo. You have Scott, TJ, Doug, and John. They run the Plastic Posse Podcast, a.k.a. the Triple P. And then our Canadian neighbor, Stuart Clark, he heads up the Scale Model Podcast, along with hosts Jeff, Terry, and Anthony. And then there's James and Malcolm out of the U.K. with just making conversation. Uh, I'd also like to uh, mention my favorite blog out there, Sprue Pie with Frets by Stephen Lee. So uh, check him out if you get a chance. Uh I'm sure you'll all enjoy uh, the content, and uh, you can find all the links to those places in the show notes below. And real quick, uh, I would also like to ask a favor. 
If you would please take a moment and throw us a five-star rating and a comment on whatever podcast platform it is you download. And listen from uh, this, you know, it's not a plea for, you know, charity, but more help. It helped us out in a couple of ways. First, it boosts the podcast up in the rankings. And when that happens, we move closer to the top of the list. In turn, when scale modeling podcasts are searched, we appear closer to the top of the search, which helps other modelers out there easily find us, as well as the other podcasts. So do the same for them. You can also help us spread the word by sharing this episode with your modeling buddies out there on social media. Uh, I'm sure there's some of those folks out there that have never heard of podcasts. It could be true. And uh, that would help us out a lot. So uh, thanks a lot in advance. I appreciate it. Now, moving on, the tool and tip of the week. I really don't have a tip for this week, but I have a tool that I'm pretty stoked about that DRAN turned me on to and everything. And uh, and that was, I'm sure they're around where everybody, I'm sure everybody has one close to them. And that's a Harbor Freight. And those things are like gold mines for tools for our hobby and darren showed us one day he's like oh look at these you know drill bits that i got and i got them from harbor freight and they were amazing and they are the micro i don't know the size off the top of my head but you get i think it's 12 of them you get six in each sleeve and they have i mean they're real fine all the way up to you know bigger sizes and those things are money because they're awesome for drilling out rivets and 48 scale if you need to or if you have to open up a hole in a wing or a fuselage, they're good for that. And they were real, and they were cheap. They're like what seven bucks, I think, for a pack of them. And if they break, you can just run up to your local Harbor Freight and uh, grab another one. Cool. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I'll echo your thoughts on those as well because I didn't go with you guys for that run, but uh, you picked me up a couple of sets as well. And uh, they are, they're fantastic. I've been using them this week, working on working on my stuff here. And the one pack runs from um, the sizes are worn off of my collars already. So, and yeah, not all of them had the size on there. Yeah, it's kind of. I know they're pretty damn fine. And, anyway, and yeah, they're pretty damn fine to where you have to be careful you don't break anything. Yep, um, yeah. Break them while you're drilling, but um, you know they're the type with the uh, they have the the fat collar that'll fit in your. Uh, in your pin vice real handily. Cool. I like them. They cut great and everything. Yeah. And, and uh, last weekend on my Badger, my Badger Chrome, it wasn't spraying right. And so I broke it down to parade rest. And I knew when I was trying to put it back together, I could tell the needle was impacting something in that nozzle. And on the Chrome, that nozzle, I mean, it's uber fine. You know, it's finer than a frog's hair. And I was running, I was like trying to look around, see if I had anything that I could clear the obstruction with. And I was looking, I couldn't find anything. And I happened to look at those drill bits. And one of the small ones in there was perfect to fit right in the front of that nozzle and was able to clean it out for me. And after I saw what came out, I will never again use Q-tips to do anything with my airbrush. Because that's what it was. <laughs> was Just There think, was wow. some of the cotton. Because like, you know, when yeah. I'm done, I take it and I clean all the paint out of it and everything because, yeah. you know, airbrushes aren't cheap. And I'm a firm believer that 
if you're, you know, you take care of your equipment, then your equipment's going to last and you're going to get good results. So I always clean it and I happened to be cleaning it and I saw a little bit of fuzz. So I pulled it out and I was like, oh crap, well, look at there. It's got to be from those Q-tips. But then it just wasn't spraying right. It wasn't spraying right. And then I'm clearing the, clearing the nozzle and found some more cotton fibers in there. So, but yeah, I was able to get it cleared, but those little drill bits. Yeah. So the, perfect those, for that. those drill bits. So there's your tip they, of the week. Yeah, those, there you go. Those, I there you tip. go. Those drill bits are tungsten steel uh, circuit board, PCB drill bits, and they are micro. Yeah. And they're really oh, cool yeah. because if you blow out rivet detail or something, you just have to do like one or two small rivets or uh, something. that, that You can usually find the size that is going to be either. If, if it's not balls on, it's real close to get in yeah. there and just light. And they're sharp, man. You, but you just can barely spin it inside where that rivet would be. And it will bring that detail back like a champ. So, and, and, and Harbor cool Freight is, is one of the cheapest places on earth to get them. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You know, they're cheap. So next time you're in a Harbor Freight, grab you a handful of them or have some extras on standby. And yeah. it's kind of cool because it gives you two of each one, right? Yep. I haven't, I haven't pulled mine out, but I think it gives you two, two bits of each, of each size. Yeah. I know you get two of the brown ones. That's what the one that was able to, go through that nozzle on my on, on that badger chrome so i'll post uh i'll post a uh a picture of them and a link over to the harbor freight website so you can see them uh you can usually find them at model shows too in the vendor area sometimes i bought a box yeah. of like a hundred of them once uh at a model show um but you, you can you can sometimes find them there but harbor freight's by far the cheapest place i've seen them and I like them too because they have that collar on there you can grab mm-hmm. and you can kind of, you get better control and dexterity when you have that collar and you can, when you twist it. So yeah, I like yeah. them. Yeah. Thanks for turning us on to those. Yeah. Man. yeah I've, I've got this, the standard, I don't know what the company, the brand is. Um, just, you know, this standard set of, of drill bits from, you know, they, they, they get pretty fine, but, um, Man, trying to get them into the, it's just this, it's just the bit. That's it. There's no, there's no collar. There's nothing. So when you're trying to put it into your, your vice, you really have to crank it down if you're going to use something that's really thin. And, and it just, you know, you don't get a really nice tight fit. So when you start actually having to drill something, sometimes it'll, it just slips and it yep. doesn't, you know, it doesn't work well. So yeah, I have to, I have to try them out. Cool. Yeah. Well, I should have thought about it and, gra- and grabbed you a set when we were up there. If you if I go up if I head up that way again, Scott, I'll I'll grab you. Said if you don't head cool, up man. there, cool man. Thanks, dude. Because I that'd be awesome. I went in there to grab some uh, moving blankets as well. So cool. Like I said, they got some they got some pretty good stuff in there. I've never really cool. been. In, I was never went to a Harbor Freight before. So all right, enough. So and moving on, it's our mail call segment. Mail call. Mail bag was full this week. We had quite a few good emails in there, and there was one. From Rob Perlman, who wants to build a 48 scale F-18. And he was wondering about the pitfalls from either the Kinetic or the Hasegawa 48 scale F-18. And I happen to know two individuals who (laughs) just happen to have built a Hasegawa F-18 and the Kinetic F-18. How much time we got? (laughs) I'm kidding. Whew. And the ranch starts now. (laughs) (laughs) Look, all right, Darren, you going first or am I going first? Uh, I will let you go first. 
You want me to go first? Okay. Well, why do you you built the you built uh, you haven't built the Hasegawa? For real, you have though. You built the Hasegawa Hornet. No, right? yes, I, I haven't. Yes, I have. Why do you have? Okay, you have. Well, whew, um, first of all, it's actually if you can if you can get through it, it builds into a fantastic Hornet. Um, but the places where you really got to be careful are fitting the the nose the front nose section to the main fuselage now the good thing is that that's a natural panel line so that's that's the bonus the drawback is that if you don't adjust the fit you are going to be left with a big step on both sides so there's a trick um i can't there's no way i can explain it i have to i'll have to take a picture and show you how to do it, and I don't know how to do that because I, I need to check the stash and see if I've got a Hoskell Hornet in there, but I, I hate to cut it, but I, I will do my best to try to figure out or find uh, there's a buddy, Gabe, who the one who told me about this trick, but you basically take a razor saw and you have to cut the um, the nose section and the, fu- or the, the fuselage section prior to putting on the nose so that you can clamp it and then you won't be left with a step because you just need a little bit of pressure and without cutting with the razor saw, it, it's just not going to happen. It, it's not making any sense what I'm saying right now, but when I show you the picture, then you'll understand. Maybe I can even do a video of it. But that's where so you there's go. Number, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. That's where it's like you, you cut on the side of the nose wheel well, right? You cut on the right. sides right there to allow exactly. that flex. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just so that you can have some type of wiggle room to be able to squeeze it to eliminate the step. I did it. It works perfectly. I had zero step, perfect panel line. But, you know, un- unless you do that, you're going to, it's, that's one of the pitfalls of that kit. Now, the intakes, oh, goodness, just get you some intake covers because, you know, they're just, they're just, I had to, I did some fancy shading uh, to make them look like an intake, but the fit on the bottom is really, really fiddly. Um, the aft section uh, underneath where the um, vertical stabs are, um, where the, the two fuselage halves kind of glue together. You just got to fit and, and sand and dry fit and sand and dry fit before you ever hit glue. And even then you're still going to need some filler, um, to be able to, to come with a nice flat, clean area. Of course you can, you know, rescribe it, but again, that area was work, but the, the biggest pain in the is, are the flaps. The flaps are an absolute nightmare. And the reason why the flaps are an absolute nightmare is because the the hinges that they give you, they have these big locator holes with these itty bitty locator pins on the on the actual hinge itself. There's nothing for it to bite into. There's nothing for it to glue into. And if you if you follow what the kit wants you to do, you're going to be left with a with the flaps that are um or drooped to their max you're going to be left with this huge gap between the actual flap and then darren what's that cover piece that goes from the from the from the main flap um the, the, to the, the flat, actual wing the, the flap shroud it's a flap, flap shroud. shroud yep if you if you if you don't correct the gap you're left with this crazy gap of the flap so what i ended up doing was completely drilling Create scratch building my own hinges, uh, drilling them, pinning them with brass pins, and then pinning the flaps into the wing, which absolutely took forever. Um, that's the probably the biggest hurdle is getting the flaps to look right. 
And then the very last thing is probably the main gear. They're white metal, the Hasegawa kit, which are decent, but man, just you have to be really careful with how you glue them in there because if not, it's going to sit wonky. So this is a measure 10 times and glue once kind of thing. And because they're metal, it's not like plastic where you might be able to fiddle with it just a little bit. And it's just, in fact, I had to, I went through two sets of gear in order to get the, the main gear to fit right so that the, the gear are true and the wheels are straight up and down and there's not any wonkiness, you know, to them. Um, other than that, the way the top and bottom fuselage halves glue together is pretty decent. The tail planes, the, the horizontal and vertical stabs are not too bad of a deal. Um, and then the, uh, I think the engine exhausts, there's, there's no positive, uh, fit there. They just kind of fit on the a flat spot. So it's just kind of a pain a little bit, but it's, um, and then I think the canopy doesn't quite, if you use the canopy actuator in the kit, it sits a little lower than it probably should in real life but it's but it fits okay um other than all of that it's a great kid other than all of that. so that's so that's the hasegawa kit it took me like nine months to a year nine months to a no. year to get that thing built it, it is work i'm telling you so i think i'll just get a monogram one that's, that's... you know why do you, i'm telling you man it's less headache there's a big old seam up front but just sand the hell out of it and then move on. Yeah, that that yeah. that Hasegawa Hornets. It is. It's it's work. It's work. But once you're when you get it done, look, it you can get a great model from it. it looks it looks really good. But I'm glad I won't build another one. Yeah, right. I, they that really? over to you. The the kinetic kit is work as well. Uh, now I'm going to say that the, the flaps and 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 all the intakes and stuff is not nearly what the Hasegawa kit is. I, I thought that was. That was okay. Uh, my problem, and I like I like the shape of the kinetic hornet. I think it looks great. Uh, my problem is the engineering on the nose, and the way that nose goes together uh, is horrible. <laughs> I think uh, I could now, since I colonized the first one, <laughs> I, I learned a little bit from it. The second one was a little bit better, but I still had to really just almost completely repotty and redo the nose uh, because of the way it goes together. I think the third time might be a charm and I, I could actually work it, but I've seen some folks online comment on this, uh, maybe cutting that section of the nose off, putting it together and then affixing the nose to the kit. Uh, I don't know that, that might be worth an experiment to try and see how it works out. But, um, in the instructions, you know, there's just some some goofy stuff in in the instructions. So they've got some QA problems. It's over engineered just a little bit, but uh, I think at the end of the day, with a little patience, uh, it which I I lacked with the first one, uh, it turns into a pretty good kit. Now I've got the gear all built. It's not. I don't think I'm gonna have the the same issues you did with the metal gear, but um, there's a pucker factor. I can see it coming when it goes to a, which I'm going to have to epoxy those in with five-minute epoxy. So I have some time to to work the gear and get it in there so it's not wonky. But uh, there's a pucker factor there putting that gear in. And that's just the nature of the Hornet gear, though. The Hornet gear being the geometry, the way it's shaped and everything it does, it's just it's got to be towed out just right. The wheels have to be straight. You know, it's it's just weird the way that gear is. And, and you know, 
in reality. So, yeah, I wish somebody would make a great Hornet. I know somebody that could, Mr. T, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we need a good yeah, Legacy that'd Hornet. Be, that'd be awesome. We need a good Legacy Hornet. Somebody out there, make a good Legacy Hornet. And Rob also asked the question about, you know, Connect makes some cool offerings of the 48 scale F-16s. But he hears that they can be real dogs. And I don't think I've really heard that they're dogs because the breakdown is very similar to a Tamiya. Now, the fit's not as good as Tamiya, obviously, but the breakdown is very similar. And really, the only thing that I remember hearing about the Kinetic F-16s was that the lower fuselage in the front, it kind of dips down. Or it's got a weird shape to it that the actual S16 doesn't have. And so that, I know that, that was, turns out fixed, yeah, so. that was fixed. Yeah. That was fixed. That was yeah, in yeah. the first release. Yeah. The, the it, nose drooped just way too much and they got rid of it. So the, the later kits that they've been building. Yeah. They're good to go. Yep. I know the, um, the NASWC, um, F16s they did they they corrected that. So, so that's good. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I've built, God, how many of those Hasegawa F-16s have I, have I built? A whole ton of them. You've built quite a and, few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, they are, they, I still love them. They, they're just super simple to build, great kit. There's only, there's a few little bitty gotchas, but uh, I mean, the last, you know, modern jet that I did was a two-seat, you know, F-16D. So uh, the Hasegawa kit, and it's, it's beautiful. I, I love the, re- the panel lines are nice and crisp on it. And uh, yeah, the, the canopies are good, you know, the cockpit detail's not bad at all, you know, all that stuff. It's just a, you know, and they're cheap. You can get them fairly inexpensive now. But, um, yeah, I think probably the Kinetic and definitely the, the Tamiya gets better. But um, I still love the old Hasegawa kit. I've got, I don't know, 16 of them in my stash still. <laughs> <laughs> but then we, uh, we got another email from Ethan as from from San Diego and he talks about like the last week's episode about or our last episode about the getting your model mojo back and he said that he was working on a Yamamoto 2202 battle space battleship and he'd messed something up that was unrecoverable and to get out of that he shelved it and he pulled out an old Hasegawa 72 scale Nakajima B5N2 built it straight out of the box and he said it was a an amazing palate cleanser and it got him back on the um that yamamoto space battleship and he was able to get it done so so we hit the nail on the head with the uh, the palate cleanser and then jim drew sent us an emo excuse me an email an email about the whole reference to using quinta studios cockpit decals and is that cheating and he posted the question over on the Tamiya Model Magazine Facebook page, and I'm not going to get into everything oh, it's going on with that. It's so it's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so if you want to go see what's going on with that, and head on over to the Tamiya Model Magazine Facebook page, and you could see the the interactions over there. It's it's hysterical, man. People that they don't understand what Tony Chi is, and, and I understand he was he was stirring the pot and 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 good on him for doing. I thought it was kind of funny to be honest with you, but you know, people go in there and they start reading comments and they just start running their mouth and they have no idea what they're talking about. If you'll go back and listen to the episode, it was tongue in cheek. I'm not it's tongue in cheek. Oh my goodness, it's it's just you can it's there. I think the Quinta stuff is amazing. I just would rather paint my cockpits, but 
it's the whole like cheating thing. Oh my goodness, we're just being funny. You know, yeah, we're the, just joking. It's a joke, people. Oh, they they turned it into IPMS is saying it's oh. cheating, and uh, there was just all sorts yeah. of stuff in there. Oh my god, it's, it's <laughs> going on about though. out of the box, and it is, it is, it is still cheating. <laughs> if Quinta made a set for this tornado, I'd pick it up. <laughs> they might, <laughs> yeah. Right. Wait a little while. <laughs> I would, man. And uh, and for our last email, Elijah Dewar sent us an email about a possible, you know, suggestion for a show topic. And it was pen washes versus dot filters. And so, you know, I think it was pen washes and dot filters. Like he wants us, he wants us to talk about pen washes. I'm not going to talk about a pen wash because there's no such thing as a pen wash. It's just a wash. But, uh, so we'll talk about washes. So we will be more than happy. Did that come out of the uh, ARMA community? I think it did, man. I think if anybody out there can explain to me, I'm being serious. Explain to me what they mean by the by the the term pen wash because I'm not using a pen. I mean, I know it's precise like a I pen. I thought it was pen. Pen. Is P-I-N. it P-E-N or P-I-N? P-I-N. P-I-N. But it whatever it is, it's D-U-M-Z. Dumbs. Because there is no pen wash. It's just a wash. I use a brush. To stab, to put my wash on. I don't use a pin, oh, but I think I they're I think they're talking right, about it. But pinpoint, maybe they're talking about a pin like tip. Pin like it's brush. pinpoint precise. I think I don't know. I'm gonna I have know. so much fun funky. watching the Facebook groups on this one. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I'm I don't care what you call it. I'm just curious where the term was coined. I, I think it comes out of the Yama community, and yeah, you're probably uh, right. Who, who knows why? It, maybe you know, his name was Mister Pin, coined it. and he's like. He came up with it, so they call it the pen wash. Maybe. I don't know. I smell lots of feedback coming now, though. <laughs> I oh, do, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Drama. Well, thanks, everybody, for writing in or dropping us a line on our Facebook page. And if you have any questions, show suggestions, or just want to say you're turning in, feel free to toss us an email at contact at modelgeekspodcast.com, or you can post it to us on our Facebook page. And so before we move on, Darren, let's tell the listeners about our Patreon. Yeah, for real, no problem. Uh, first, I want to take a moment, though, and thank Sprue Brothers and uh, Furball Aero Design, as well as our other supporters. Uh, take a look in the show notes. We've got a list of those folks down there. Uh, please know that you guys are awesome. Uh, you completely rock. So uh, if you're interested in helping to support the show, then you can do it in one of two ways. The first is by clicking the heart icon in the top right corner of our web page or by clicking the Support the Geeks link in the show notes. Either one of those will take you to our PayPal Me page where you can donate to the show. And as Frildo mentioned, we also have a Patreon page. Uh, There you can support in a few different ways. Uh, Check that out. Uh, Also on our Patreon page, we offer exclusive content such as behind-the-scenes videos and access to uh, our private Facebook group, uh, where there we do you know, live videos and giveaways as well as Q and a. So if you have a chance, check out the link in the show notes to the Patreon page. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, as always, please know that this is not a requirement. Okay. Uh, we're still going to strive to deliver the best content we can, but please do know that it really does help us offset the cost of our protection cost. And I just want to say up front, uh, thanks for taking a look at it. Uh, we really appreciate it. So, uh, there you go. All right, and for this week's main topic, we kind of shifted gears a little bit. 
And we've kind of came up with another segment called Bench Time with the Geeks. And for our first celebrity interview, we got our good friend Jeff Martin of Furball Aero Design to sit down with us for a little while and shoot the breeze and just kind of, you know, pick his brain about the, you know, the de- aftermarket decal industry and, you know, everything that goes on with, you know, cranking out amazing decals. So sit back, go get you a favorite beverage, coffee if you're listening to this in the morning or grab you a beer and sit down and, and enjoy the show. Jeff, welcome to the show. What up, geeks? What's crack-a-lacking? What's crack-a-lacking? <laughs> What's crack-a-lacking? It's funny every time. Yeah. It's awesome. All the kids are saying it. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, um, welcome to the show. Glad and to be we're here. Glad to have you. Love the show. And thanks. We like putting it on. So if you want to go ahead and just give us a brief rundown of how Furball started. So I'm sure that's what everybody wants to know. I know that's what I want to know. I want to know how well, I mean, Furball uh, got you know, started. Like you guys, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s. Uh, grew up going to air yeah. shows. Um, you know, loved all the, the jets and, the, you know, just seeing what units would be at different air shows. And, of course, my dad was in the Navy. Um, he was... Uh, he was on destroyers, tin cans. Well, see story for you. And uh, one of the things my dad did on a on a destroyer was he would uh, have to take the spent uh, five inch uh, shell casings that were on the deck. He, they would give him big asbestos gloves, right? And he would have to take these spent shell casings that were red hot and throw them over off the deck. Anyway, that's my sea story for you. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so just grew up in the 80s, loving, you know, loving building models, going to air shows, love uh, the the box art and, uh, you know, the unit markings, the patches, all that stuff is fascinating, you know, how much there is out there. Um, You know, as I got older, I kind of got away from the hobby a little bit, as most people do. Um, And then as I got more established, I came back to the hobby. Um, always had a you know fascination with uh, again just the the art side of things. Love those old micro scale, super scale decals that came in the you know the sealed envelope with the clear window, and you crack it open, and it's got uh, it's got that that weird unique smell to it. it was always a always a thrill. Uh, but a lot of times, I mean, that would be the first exposure to new markings would be uh, just seeing it on a super scale sheet. Um, or possibly catching it in a book, you know, without the internet uh, like we have today, where it's just an endless supply of reference. Um, it was either books or it was an air show or seeing it on a decal sheet. That was where you first really saw new markings. So anyway, um, you know, I just kind of I taught myself how to draw. I uh, drew for afterburner decals for a while, uh, did some other freelance work here and there. Um, and then I just figured, why can't I do it on my own? So I did that almost 10 years ago and, um, here I am. Yeah. When did, (laughs) when, when did, when did, um, when did you first, what was your first sheet? When did you release it? Do you remember? So that was 2012 and I did the, uh, the, the screaming demons part one, uh, for the hobby boss kit. Yep. I remember that. um, 
you know, it was kind of a gamble because I didn't know if anybody would actually buy decals for a, a demon, you know, but it turned out to be actually very popular. Um, so that was the first one. Yeah, cool. I remember your note on there. It said this was hopefully the, hopefully the first of many more furball sheets to come. Yeah, I mean, so just to get off the ground was a substantial monetary investment in the sheet. But also, you know, starting a new business, there's a lot of, as I'm sure you guys have come to realize, there's a lot of fees involved, a lot of uh, expenses, a good amount of money up front in hopes that it'll pay off. Um, and it did. It recouped the money of my initial investment pretty quick. Oh. Awesome. Um, you know, the plan was, I guess, getting started was not that, you know, not going to get rich off of an aftermarket decal company. Um, but the plan was, you know, let's reinvest the money, keep reinvesting whatever money gets made, grow the company, grow the company. Um, and, uh, that, that model has been very successful for sure. Well, you know, and, and so one of the things I think there's several, key ingredients that when when you look at successful decal companies which i really do i mean i think we all feel here and it's not just because you know we know you but it's just if i didn't know who you were the the product that you're producing is is absolutely stands out and i think that there's there's several reasons for that number one your presentation is exquisite i mean the where you have the actual the different jets, there are aircraft that you can do with the side profiles, full color, big picture. I mean, even, because I'm an art guy, I, I I just love the box art, aviation art. I mean, that's what kind of a lot of times when we had talked about some of the episodes, what's an inspiration for what you want to build? A lot of times, you know, as a kid, it was what did the box top look like? What did that box art look like? I know Frill's got them, you know, framed and posted on his walls, but that's the same feel that I get when I see a furball sheet. I'll, I almost will buy a furball sheet knowing that I'm not going to build it, but because I think the the art is so freaking cool. Like it's, it's very, very well done. And it, awesome. it inspires, it inspires. Yeah, man, it, it inspires me to like maybe possibly build something that I wouldn't build just because I'm like, man, look at how cool that looks. I just, so yeah, I, so your artwork, well, and then of course your choice of printing company. So that was my question is there's, there's not a ton of printing companies, but it seemed like you kind of got in with Cartograph before they became like the gold standard of, of decal printing company. So how did that, I mean, how did you choose Cartograph? Versus well, so of course everybody, everybody used, um, I want to say, you know, when there was probably around the mid two thousands when, you know, Two Bobs was really coming on on online. Everybody yeah. was using Microscale. Um, you know, I think from what I've heard, Microscale, their most of their business comes from decals for Model Railroad, um, okay. which is great, which is fine. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. The problem with Microscale is that at least back then, um, they weren't printing to match uh, FS numbers. And so, uh, you would, especially on like the adversary uh, schemes, yeah. you would get grays and greens and blues and all these colors that were actually matched to uh, Pantone colors and not uh, FS colors. Yeah. So just the quality, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the product they put out. It's just cartographs better. You can tell them, print it to this FS color. Um, 
you know, back in the day, everybody would have, you know, these two piece uh, decals, you'd have to stack them uh, because Microscale wasn't so great at producing things in register. Well, Cartograph, their process is so automated. Um, it's, it's not a problem. Everything is in perfect register every time. The fidelity is just incredible. You know, I put a lot of time into the artwork. I want it to look as good as possible. They cost more. They cost substantially more than Microscale. Um, but, you know, you're building a model. You're putting dozens of hours into it. You know, you're going to spend a little more for a product that's quality, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, for me, there really is no other route. Cartograph has been fantastic. Um, you know, I hit them up uh, with this these new uh, Tamiya F4 sheets that I have. I said, hey, I need a solid David from Cartograph. I need these done quick. He's like, no yeah. problem. We'll take care of you. Um, Sweet. You know, so. Have, you yeah. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so those new sheets should be coming, you know, whenever. I'm not sure. But by the time this show drops, I should have them in hand. Um, wow. So, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're being, they're Is that both printed. sheets, the Navy and the Marine one? Yep. <laughs> Yep. Wow. Okay. So, now that wow. is a game changer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I should <laughs> you know, have them. I should have them in hand um, by next Friday, hopefully. Wow. But then I have to, I'm still, yeah, they're ahead of me. I have to, um, I have to get the instructions done. Yeah. Which, and then getting the instructions done and then yeah. getting those rush printed. So not to mention yeah. the fact that I have a whole release round already planned that they're working on so hopefully if everything works out first week of june it's going to be the biggest decal release round that i've ever had um it's going to be a couple of reprints it's going to be my uh um usmc rhinos part one everybody asked for that'll be the third reprinting uh the mig master sheet that's going to uh for f8s that's going to be the third reprinting of that um, and then it's going to be, you know, my Hellcats, my Wildcats, uh, that F-15E cockpit detail set, um, <laughs> just for Nemo. <laughs> uh, so, so all of those sets plus the Phantom sets all released together, um, hopefully early June. Hopefully, just got to get everything uh, drawn up, boxed up, packaged up, ready to go. So, you're you're a busy man. That is that wow. Is that's incredible. amazing. Yeah. That yeah, is just good I, news, man. I, I, absolutely. I'm like, you know, I, I just don't, I mean, I'm so excited. I'm like all speechless. Just again, because for me is, you know, the modeler who I, I, I'm a slow builder, you know, I mean, I can like my Tomcat, the Tamiya Tomcat, actually that one went together pretty quick, but just the painting process and then the decal process. I mean, you know, I, I don't use a gloss coat. I'm putting your decals I polish, you know, so, but I, not one bit of silvering on any stencil and I put them all on there and yeah. I love how you've got everything numbered and then I can just use like a red Sharpie, you know, I just sort of put the dot on whenever the decal goes on. It does take a while, but I have to admit with the Tomcat, I was, I, it was, it was fun. It was just, it was easy. All the decals just completely conformed, sucked down to the surface, no issues at all. And that's what, that's, and that's, you know, that's what we all want. That's what all the decal, please, other decal companies, please strive for what <laughs> Furball is doing. Because it, 
It does. It makes the it makes it fun, and I sh- that's why I have more furball decals in my collection than anything. And sheets, even like I said, that I probably won't build that aircraft, but I'll keep the decal sheet because it's it, maybe someday, you know, I may. You know, so it's, so that's awesome. So back to your your point about you know really liking the artwork and all that. I I really appreciate that, and that is you know my goal. I think when I design a sheet, design the instructions, is to make it look cool cool to the point where the guys who actually flew the jets are like, man, that's really awesome. I want to put that on my wall, you know? Yeah. So um, I, that's the reaction I'm looking for. I hope, you know, people can see that, that I'm very passionate about making it look good. Um, you know, for the guys who actually worked on the jets and flew the jets. Um, that's, that's my aim. Top quality product and cartograph, you know, I can only draw the stuff. They print it to a standard that I feel like is just, it's just so far above everybody else. Um, you know, if you use them properly, you're just not yep. going to have any problems. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about it, you know, over the years, well, maybe I could use cartograph and maybe, you know, use some other companies at the same time. It's no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. People expect a certain level of quality. Um, you know, the downside to cartograph is that, there is such a long process, usually, unless I ask a rush job, ask for a rush job. It's usually about a three month turnaround, which can be challenging um, yeah. when you're trying to plan out a whole year's worth of releases. But, you know, it's a very small trade off considering, you know, the, what the final product actually is. So, man, well, I yeah, think I you think- just sold another couple hundred Tamiya F4s <laughs> with, with this news release. So yeah, I'm sure Tammy is going to thank you. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's I, just... uh... Now, uh, so my, my, my question is um, just, I, I've noticed that most of your sheets, like it seems that you do love the, the Navy uh, Marine Corps kind of markings on whatever aircraft are. I, I assume cause you're, you, cause your dad was in the Navy or just partial to the Navy markings the more colorful markings well, by some of the air force stuff. So, of course, you know, getting back to going to air shows. So my dad would take us to the Pax River show just about every year. Um, frequently, you know, I'd travel down to Oceana for that show. Yeah. You know, I mean, master jet base, right? Doesn't get any better yeah. than that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, you know, always kind of gravitated towards the Navy, I guess, you know, probably because of my dad. But, um, yeah. you know, I like the Air Force, too. But bottom line is. Up until recently, the Air Force is coming out with a lot of crazy new schemes. A lot of retro schemes look great. But up until recently, man, Navy just beats the tail off of Air Force when it comes to markings. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, some of the CAG jets that I've seen are just, that's just unbelievable how cool they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yep. Well, thank you for, in case I forget to tell you, I, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for making, for thinking about us, the modelers, because uh, sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, it's more about the almighty dollar, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with paying a little bit more for the quality that we're getting because it just makes the whole decal process and experience. It just it makes it easy. It's you know, fun. again, I, I hope it comes out in the product that people see that I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, but it is, it is a business and I have to look at it from that point of view. Um, it's not just about, Oh, you know, 
fulfilling the needs of, uh, you know, there's a lot of 30-second scale guys out there that want all my stuff reproduced in 30-second <laughs> scale, you know. And I get that if that's your scale. <laughs> but, the guys uh, that want reserve A4s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Guy, or even, man, he won't stop you know, bugging me. A couple but, uh, E3 sheets. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think sure. we still need some uh, P3 mockings <laughs> out there. But, uh, you know, I have to look at everything from a monetary point of view um, just to keep uh, everything in, in, the, in the black, you know. So, um, now, how do you gauge I, it? How do you gauge the market? You, you know what I mean? I mean, how do you know what, what people want or don't want? First and foremost, it's what I like. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? It's like so, big tea. Yeah. If it's something that I think cool is cool, then I'm like, well, wait a minute, are other people going to like this too? Um, and usually I feel like that, that there's a crossover there. I think my modeling interests are fairly mainstream um, and have a broad appeal to not just, you know, uh, American hobbyists, but uh, around the world for sure. Yeah. Um, so and that that's it. If I think it's cool, I'm going to draw it. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That makes so sense. What's your, so what's the furball number to now? Like how many sheets are you up to having been having released? Uh, I want to say it's, you know, it's probably over a hundred at this point. Oh, um, wow. Just, yeah. Wow, I didn't know it was that many. Yeah. yeah. So I'm up to on the furball, just furball line. I'm up to, I think 77. And then of course, you know, I've done um, a bunch of furball detail and scale sets. And I think that is, it's a little over, um, it's about 25. So it's, it's right close to a hundred. So yeah, 10 well, years worth of work. Jeff, let's, let's talk wow. about that for just a second. Your uh, yeah. detail and scale sets, uh, yep. that relationship with, uh, Bert and those guys over there at detail and scale, yep. uh, how'd that come about? That's a, that's a pretty good relationship to have with those guys over there. Yeah, I mean, when when uh, you pick up the phone and it's Bert Kinsey, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Bert Kinsey. So um, my buddy uh, Jeff Pesteris, uh, he, um, I guess he was at a nationals and he took um, he took some of my sheets out to nationals and just put them on a table, um, and I forget who he was with, but. He put up, uh, put out some of my sheets, and Bert happened to be walking around, and I guess he saw, um, uh, he saw my first demon set, and uh, he was like, "Wow!" And he was working on a demon book at the time, and I guess he was really impressed by what he saw, um, and so he started asking Jeff some questions, and um, yeah. So anyway, Bert saw one of my sets at uh, at a nationals. And uh, he was pretty impressed by it. And so he got in touch with me and we just started a dialogue. We started talking um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. He shares um, his references with me, and which are, of course, incredible. Right. I mean, Bert is he is one of the influencers, I guess, you know, when I was a kid reading his books. A lot of oh, times. All of us you, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You would see. You know, you talk about, you know, where do you see new markings? Well, it was in it was in one of Bert's books. You know, you'd see all the, all the, uh, you know, his, his Colors of Marking series of Tomcat, the Phantom. You know, there's such a body of work out there. Um, so 
you know, when Bert Kinsey calls, you listen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's been fun. Um, I'm always shocked and amazed at how much reference material he has in his collection. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a great partnership. I think I've, you know, it's been mutually beneficial. I think it's, it's really, it's added some credibility to what I do. Um, it's helped, uh, you know, cause Bert used to do decals back in the day. Um, and I think he just wants to focus on books. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really been great. Uh, working with Bert and rock, um, Hagen. So, um, hopefully many more sets to come. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great group of guys over there. Uh, we know all of them very well as, as well. Um, and they're just super dudes. And you, you mentioned the, the reference side of it. And that kind of segues into my next question. And, and as we, we were talking earlier about references on the internet and, and things of that nature, uh, where do you, I'm fine. I, so obviously you get some from the detail and scale stuff, but, uh, the bulk of your references, because it, there, there has to be, a lot of research that you have to do to go into these, these sheets. So oh, can you tell us a little bit about how you, you go about finding references and such? Well, so they're really the, the research portion of this, it never stops. It's always, always on the hunt for, um, you know, new pictures, new, new shots of things that, you know, didn't, didn't haven't seen before. Um, you know, just as an example, I mean, phantoms, there are an innumerable amount of, um, phantom schemes out there same with the tomcat um you know it just never stops so i buy a lot of slides online i buy a lot of books tons of books um always looking on ebay for old uh, koku fans um old magazines um you know especially from the 80s where um you know you're gonna find those unique uh, photographs that haven't been reproduced recently um and you know it just of course uh, a lot of people help me out a lot of people send me reference, which is great, um, but it's just a, it's a constant constant search to find more, and it just it just doesn't stop. Very cool. And I I imagine you enjoy that process as well. Then oh, absolutely, or, okay. absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean that is that is part of the you know th- this whole endeavor. Okay, it's it's a fun endeavor, it's work, but it's it's a fun job. Yeah. The minute it stops becoming fun, it's just work, and then I don't want to do it anymore, right? So I got to keep it fresh. Yeah, and so gotcha. keeping it fresh is looking for those new schemes, yeah. looking for, um, you know, uh, you know, for example, Hellcats, Hellcats, Wildcats. You know, that is not necessarily something that's been in my comfort zone. I don't really know World War II stuff, so you know, digging into that was really that. That was a lot of the enjoyment of drawing those sets was just coming up with, you know, looking at um, all the schemes that are out there, which again, I mean, just innumerable, the amount of uh, World War II Hellcat, uh, Navy schemes, Wildcat schemes, Corsair. It's just, it's just incredible. And it's all new to me. It's, it might be old hat for other people, but for me, it's brand new and that keeps it fresh for me. So yeah, reference is really, I mean, that's the beginning of it all. Is a World War II subject something that we can expect then in the future? I mean, because the Wildcat and the Hellcat is the first, is that your first delve into the uh, World War II era? That's right. Era? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll throw really, out that, you know, there's lots of, you know, the Helldive and the Avenger too, or, 
you know, the micro scale and super scale sheets are out there, but a lot of them are old. And I mean, I mean, we're talking, we're getting into like 30 year plus old decal sheets that frankly, they're just not going to perform well for you, you know? Right. Exactly. We got some Corsair um, sheets. Yeah, just some of the Navy Marine Corsair sheets are, you know, again, just they're schemes that, you know, are, are really cool. But I, I think that, it, you know, there's probably a lot and a lot of time like, selecting a particular scheme. I think it probably goes back to what do you like? You know, you as the one who is producing the sheet, you're not going to produce something that you're like, eh, you know, eh, I know some folks like this one, but eh, it's. This isn't giving yeah. me any interest here, you know. So, so uh, you know, again, getting back to Bert, you know, Bert, um, after about 10 or 11 Tomcat sets, he was like, dude, you're killing me. <laughs> it's a lot of Tomcat sets. I'm like, yeah, well, I got to pay for my kids college at some point. Right. <laughs> so he's like, you know, why don't you why don't you try? You know, he's got books for the Hellcat and Wildcat. Why not take a look at those? And I'm like, why not take a look at those? So, um, you know, Bert kind of pushed me uh, in a good way to explore other options. You know, without Bert, I probably never would have done F-102 sets. I wouldn't have done, huh. um, you know, the Hellcats and the Wildcats. It's just not uh, not my uh, in my wheelhouse. So, yeah, you know, but in hindsight, you know, expanding the wheelhouse, I think, uh, is good for the brand. You know, it helps uh, expand. uh you know, the reach of, of my decals to hopefully a broader audience um, globally, domestically, you know. Um, so, yeah. Do you, you know, so Jeff, cool. do you, do you have a, uh, like, what's your, what, what's your favorite um, subject either to, to model or to, you know, draw or, you know, aircraft wise? Like what's, what's the one that you just, if, if you only, if you're only going to have one aircraft to model, you're only going to have one aircraft, what type of decal sheet to do? What's the one that really that you just love the most? I mean, it's definitely Tomcats. Tomcats. <laughs> it's, it's almost <laughs> cliche to say. Um, but yeah, that silly movie that came out in 1986. Yeah. Coupled with. We all love at, it. At, coupled with, uh, at the time, you know, already being into models and seeing that silly movie, you know, just took it to the next level. Um, and then, you know, from that movie and actually going to Oceana, seeing all the squadrons there at the air show, I mean, that just really, that, that did it. The hook was in, you know. Um, yeah. But really, you know, any of the any of the teen jets, the teen fighters, yeah. just love them all. They're just so cool. Yeah. So yeah. cool. You know, cool, I think it's fantastic that the, uh, the F-15 is getting a new life. You know, the F-15... X. That's just so cool, you know. It's still around, <laughs> yeah. still yeah. around. So hopefully there'll be some yeah. cool marking options for that coming up soon. Cool. Now, have you ever thought about sort of venturing into the World War II stuff? Have you ever put any thought? Because you know, I, me, uh, some of the Su twenty seven, Su twenty two, some of the weird Russian modern stuff. Have you ever thought, I guess, again, any interest in doing something like that? Or is that a little too far? You're probably trying to keep it to U.S. only. Um, you know, just have you ever thought about venturing into some of the other crazier schemes, Russian stuff? Russian stuff? No chance. <laughs> it's God. just not going to happen. All right. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So no uh, Russian uh, stuff from Furball. And you know what? I mean, there's there's Russian guys out there that are doing yeah. stuff that's phenomenal. Um, yeah. it's just not something that I feel like 
I need to get into. Gotcha. Um, you know, certainly, you know, I'd love to do uh, some Japanese stuff, you know, some, oh. some, uh, you know, maybe some Japanese phantoms, things of that nature. Um, you know, some British stuff, cool. uh, you know, down the road, always possibilities, always possibilities. Never say never except to Russian stuff. <laughs> That's <laughs> a big, no chance paddles. So, <laughs> not happening. So you're a model builder yourself. And, uh, so when time, like, permits. How big is, when time permits, so <laughs> how big is the furball stash over there mm. in your basement? I want to say maybe about a hundred. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't counted it. Um, the furball stash, um, mainly is used for, uh, decal sizing purposes. Okay. I was going to, all right. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you get a kit to size your, you know, that's what you use to size your decals to. Yeah. And then if you get around the building at one day, then. then yeah. You one day. It? I mean, unfortunately part of the decal designing process in some instances is to, you know, chop a kit up. <laughs> to make it essentially unbuildable. I hate doing it, but, uh, you know, to get decals to fit right, especially like the, uh, the cockpit decals, um, you have to chop up a cockpit cockpit to get everything to, uh, fit mm. just right. You know, you gotta let, get it to lay flat on a scanner. Um, so first and foremost, the stash is basically, it's a giant pile of reference, um, if you will. So, um, but right now on the bench, I got, uh, F-16 XL from Kinetic, Kinetic. Um, working on that, working on a Hellcat, uh, working on a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff. Love the sci-fi. Yeah, uh, man. Bandai kits, truly amazing. Um, if you ever run into a modeler's roadblock, build a Bandai kit. That'll change your life. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what the stash is for. Mainly, mainly uh, used for... Uh, decal designing purposes at this point so we discussed the uh you know using cartograph as your primary printer for the decal sheets and you talked about you know the process of getting a run together involves obviously the instructions where does that come into play who does that you you obviously do all the artwork um but who does the printing for that do you do that somewhat locally or in the in country here or yeah so um i use a company called docucopies where basically you know they're pretty, uh, pretty, you know, uh, high-end operation where I upload my files to them and they run them off. And uh, so, yeah, domestically produced. I looked into, at one point, Cartograph was like, you know, we could print your instruction pages. I'm like, well, that sounds great. But, you know, the thing of it is, you know, when you talk about uh, decals, cost of fortune to FedEx, uh, several large boxes of decals from Italy to the U S if he were to cartograph was to print my instructions as well, man, it would just cost an unbelievable amount of money. So it just doesn't make sense. Um, So I get those produced domestically. Jeff, what's uh, Scott mentioned earlier, you know, that's a big part of it. That's a big draw is seeing the artwork, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I've seen guys, on on the Facebook page, somebody posted uh, that they actually uh, I forget where the guy was somewhere in Europe I think where he actually frames um, the title page. Uh, oh yeah, from some of my sets, and I was like, wow, that's that's uh, that's just the highest compliment. That's really awesome to see. 
And you know, that'd be I, kind I, of something I, cool you could do for yourself too. You know, like when you make a new run, just take like the title sheet, you know, your your cover and frame mm-hmm. it and put it on a wall and get them and frame. That'd be kind of cool, like like a record. You know, when you go platinum. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I definitely, um, I would like to, of course, look at other ways to expand. You know, the amount of products that I offer. Um, I haven't really, you know, fully, uh, fully vetted all the ideas that I have in my head. This time doesn't, you know, permit it all. Um, I've kind of just been sticking with what I know how to do, uh, you know, with the processes I have in place. Um, so down the road, when, when the kids get a little bit older, you know, coffee cups and mouse pads and art prints. Okay. Yeah. you know, definitely. Um, yeah. There's a million different things. Um, you know, I, yeah. I was looking at, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, uh, have you seen the ads on Facebook for Glowforge? You guys know what a Glowforge is? It's no, a, it's a $6,000 machine. That's a tabletop machine that laser engraves yeah. wood. Incredible. Incredible. Right. And I was like, huh, six grand. Man, those would look like like a like a squadron like emblem base, you know, like that would just be so uh, cool. A laser engraved, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, yeah. So that would be cool. Always thinking this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now, when so, you no, I mean, I, I I am you know down the road when the kids get a little bit older, I am looking at uh, you know how how can we how can we grow this you know furball? How can we put some uh, some gas on that on that fire? <laughs> Blow it up. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think one ideas. of the there's a there's a guy in uh, I think he's over in England. Um, I I could be wrong, but his name's Mark Styling, and he has some really cool profile prints yep. that he's done. And I've got he does several of work. them. Yeah, yep. he's um, yeah. It's I, I just think you know for me, it's not just there's I don't know. It's just all encompassing, right? It's the love of aviation. It's the love for art and modeling. It's the love. For the prints, I mean, I collect all of that stuff, and you know me, I'm a, um, I'm a big, big box top guy. We've they make fun of me because I just can't throw away old boxes, and I still have old boxes that I've you know particular models that have been built years ago because I want to frame the box tops, but then I'm I'm I don't want to cut it up because it's still pristine. Like so, it's just weird. You know, they always make fun of me because I won't throw the boxes away, you know, but that's, well, yeah. I, I like the art. It's that you, you, yeah. you, you look at some of those old, uh, old box tops, you know, especially Hasegawa. With, oh uh, yeah. That artist whose name I can never remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like Kyoke, Kyoke is either Shiego, Kyoke or Kyoke, Shiego or whatever it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. There, there's such an yeah. energy to his work, yeah. you know, and it's like, you're looking at that box and you're energized by that artwork and you want to you 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 want to open up that box and just tear into the kit because you're so energized by how phenomenal his artwork is not not just uh Hasegawa, but the monogram kits for sure too there you go i mean just fantastic the lighting on that is just incredible just really yeah, really I mean, great yeah when first when i was a kid and i saw that box art i was just like <gasps> You had to buy it. Dad, 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 dad. You know, and I got it for Christmas one year. Of course, I freaking put it together with probably tube glue or something. But yeah, I mean, you know, it is, I, I still have the box from when I was just, you know, a teenager. And it's just, 
yeah, it, it was such a huge, and I, I finally built it, you know, I don't know when it was like three or four years ago, I finally built the kit and did it some justice, I think, but uh-huh. yeah, th- that's Herbal how I feel about, get your, out of here. yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about your decal sheets, that the artwork is just as impressive as the actual, you know, sheet and the, it's, or the actual decal itself, and yeah, I just love it, you do a great job, man. It's impressive. I really appreciate that. Piece of sheet. Do you keep one for yourself, like like in the furball archive that you put away somewhere that you never sell and you just keep for like yourself, like nostalgic purposes? And and I, I and I hope you have your stuff backed up on like a, a hard drive or something. So in this case something God forbid something's ever happened, you don't no, no, like, no. lose everything. So never on a hard drive. I've learned that lesson the hard way. Um Everything now is backed up on the cloud. Um, yeah, I've lost dozens and dozens of hours of, of uh, work um, because of a, a power surge or some other um, issue with the yeah. hard drive. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we know how that power surge thing works, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. So, yeah. you know... I, if I think about it, I'll save a sheet for myself, but then I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I forget how much I have left or how many sets are left and somebody orders it. I don't want to disappoint anybody. So I guess I look at it as I can always reprint it at some other point down the road if I don't have a set for me. I think so, for, for me, what I, what I never really thought about was, you know, when I was, you know, younger and would buy decal sheets, I just kind of thought that there was a, you know, there was never a, a finite number of decal sheets that they just made thousands and thousands and thousands of sheets. And when, you know, now it's, I fully have realized that, you know, there, you don't make thousands and thousands of sheets. You make hundreds or in the low hundreds or, you know, because it's, it's expensive. And, you know, if you made, if you, printed 10,000 sheets. Well, I mean, number one, that's a huge amount of money and it's going to take forever for you to recoup that, to sell them. And so my advice to folks always, and this is if I see a sheet and I have it in my hands and I'm like, well, I think I may, I just buy it. And that's why I have hundreds of decal sheets, even though I only build one or two models a year, because there are, there are three or four sheets that you can't get anymore. And they're like, we're not reprinting them. And I'm not, I'm not going to pay $150, $200 for a sheet on eBay, which is what they're going for sometimes. So yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing you just, you know, I think I'd want, you know, our listeners and everybody to understand, like when you're printing a set of decal sheets, if you see it and you're, there's one you're interested in, just go ahead and buy it because they're going to sell out. I would think the majority of your sheets have sold out. Oh uh, yeah. And I've, you know, gone back and uh, reprinted quite a few over the years. Um, but I, you know, when something sells out, I don't immediately go, Oh, I need to order more. Um, you know, I like to keep a a year or two buffer, um, between, uh, from when something sells out to, uh, pulling trigger on, you know, ordering another run. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, when I win the lottery, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll plunk down money for to reprint the entire catalog all at once. Yeah, um, I don't yeah. know where I'd put them all. Um, I don't know who would pack all those decal bags, but uh, um, I, I do get I get a, a lot of correspondence from people asking, you know, when is this going to be reprinted? When is this going to be reprinted? Um, and you know, I I want to reprint a lot of sets, 
but the reality is that um, you know it's it's the new stuff that really drives the business and I think uh, peaks uh, people's interest. So you know the beauty of you know having a, a pretty big uh, catalog of artwork at this point is that you know I could reprint stuff a month from now, ten years from now. You know, yeah. in, in a perfect world, if my kids get a little bit involved in this, you know, they I can hand it all over to them and they can yeah. reprint the stuff, you know, a decade to from now. You know, who knows? Yeah. But uh, for now, um, you know, I will I will try to reprint the more popular sets um, and every every release round. I try to throw in a couple of reprints because I know I know there are people looking for um, some of the more popular ones. Jeff, we uh, we talked a little bit about uh, your relationship with Detail and Scale, but you've mm-hmm. got some other collaborations out there too. I know you've done some stuff from for, for Edward, and uh, I mean, yep. tell us a little bit about how that happens. That's got to be a, a real kick in the pants to be able to work with a, a company like that and uh, produce stuff for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I tell you, probably, you know, the, one of the biggest thrills is opening up a, a model kit and seeing your decals that you designed in that oh, yeah. kit. That is just like, wow. Um, seeing your <laughs> logo on the box. So yeah. that came about um, when Edward, they got um, they got a bunch of the um, Academy uh, F4s back, I don't know when that was, probably 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, and they wanted to do, um, they want, I guess they, they had seen my, my Bravo mid killer set and they wanted to, to use a couple of those options. Um, so if I recall, they reached out to, uh, Jim Rotrammel, my buddy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he's a real good friend of ours as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, uh, been a, a huge contributor, um, over the years. He, he's on the shout out, Jim, if you're listening. He is on the uh, free furball decals for life list. <laughs> is that right? List. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Even if he doesn't, you know, help me out with any references. I mean, he sends me pictures all the time. Um, and, you know, he's the go-to guy for any kind of questions, especially about ordinance. Man, my God, he yeah, is man. a he's yeah. a whiz. But anyway, so I think he had some contacts with Edward, and I think he approached me. Uh, he kind of set up the meeting. And I, you know, I've always said that I didn't want to just, you know, I, I wanted to work with a model company, um, but time is money. You know, I, I can't just, I can't just, it's so, it's such an involved process to create these things that I can't just, I can't just hand over the art. You know, it's such a valuable commodity that I put Absolutely. so much time into. Yeah. And they were, they were like, no problem. Totally get it. Let's work something out. Um, and we did. So worked with them on uh, I forget the exact number, but several of their uh, Navy um, and Marine Corps um, I think a couple Air Force sets as well um, for the Phantom uh, for the Super Hornet uh, for the Crusader um, and I'm, I'm really proud of those. Those kits will never get built. <laughs> those sit <laughs> in the stash untouched and uh, you know they're, they're extremely popular. I see what they go for on eBay, um, so they're they're definitely uh, definitely in demand. Yeah, sure. I'm actually building the uh, 
Lady Jessie there on their Vietnam scooters. Yep, side. forgot it's about that a, one. Yeah, that's a that's a, a lovely set. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's easy yeah. easy to work with and good stuff. So to that end, kit manufactures decals. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is good news to you. That why do you suppose they don't put so much thought or effort into their decals? I mean, even pre aftermarket boom you know there's obviously several companies out there um but it's just you know in this day and age um i mean the hasagawa dk i I don't want to beg on a manufacturer but we you know why do you you know they put the effort into these kits and then it seems like the decals are such an afterthought i mean what's your take on that you know i'm not sure i think you know, I think sometimes when you look at a company like uh, or some of these other, uh, you know, uh, Japanese manufacturers in general, I feel like, um, you know, their their releases are catered towards a Japanese market, not necessarily um, an American market. And I feel like, you know, the the Hasegawa consumer is very loyal to the brand. I feel like the Japanese are very loyal to their their brands. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of times the markings that are included in a Hasegawa kit or a Tamiya kit are, you know, they're looking at, okay, the Japanese market is going to love a kit with Jolly Rogers, even though yeah. we've seen, you know, we've seen every, uh, you know, iteration of Jolly Rogers there is. Um, but overall, I would agree, you know, the, um, I, you know, they may not just not have access to, um, you know, complete references on American subjects um, the way that, you know, I might have access to. Yeah. Um, so. What about like the, the actual, so they have the different schemes, but then, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've seen some Hasegawa kits have printed by cartograph and then you have this fantastic decal sheet and then you have others that eh, not so much. And so I guess you know, I guess it's probably just a corporate decision on, hey, if they want to do a special version or whatever that, you know, because it probably costs additional money. For, I, I think it would boil down to just having the time to do re- who's going to do the research, the cost involved to having a higher quality decal set in the kit. Then they have to charge more. You know, I don't know. It just always seems like, you know, very rarely do you get um some of particular manufacturers that have the the quality of a of a cartograph decal vice super thick carrier film and you know i i would think it would just boil down to to budgets and because yeah, they're all I about mean, the mighty dollar it's, it's it's probably um you know purely you know cost prohibitive to use cartograph they are you know the best in the game but you're also going to pay for it um so you know i would think uh I will say though, I feel like Kinetic uses Cartograph pretty frequently. Um, a lot of their kits have Cartograph printed decals. So um, yeah, their decals are nice. I, I, yeah, and yeah, I did the Sea Harrier recently, and the sheet that sheet was pretty nice. Yeah, I was pretty actually going to do Sea Harriers, um, those, the British Sea Harriers, but then I saw the sheet that was included in that kit, and I was like, well, no point. That's a yeah. great, yeah, great. <laughs> it is. Great it's a nice sheet. kit. Yeah. Uh, on a nice sheet as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what's the fastest a furball sheet has ever sold out? <sighs> um, I want to say uh, the initial uh, 
Bravo Mid Killers Part One. You know, it's yeah, got, that's um, that is that thing goes for like a billion dollars on eBay if you can find one. You know, <laughs> yeah. So I printed it three times. I'll probably reprint it wow. again three um, times. Yes. Yeah. So out there in the universe, there's 1,500 copies of this set out there <laughs> uh, in 48. And I also did 500 copies in 72nd as well, which is sold out. But I want to say that was um, that sold out probably probably in the span of about two months. Wow, that's like quick. That. Wow, that's, that's yeah, awesome. That that's fast. That's really the exception, though. I mean, nothing nothing really sells that quick. I mean, 500 doesn't sound like a big number. Uh, and 500 is is the minimum quantity that I get stuff printed in. Um, it, it doesn't sound like that big a number, but it actually is. It oh, actually yeah. is a big yeah. number. So. so with the pandemic of recent, have you seen, like a lot of people coming back to the hobby, have you seen an uptick in your sales over the last year than you have in the past? Or have you seen like a kind of like a steady, even Oh, growth? definitely. Yeah, I mean, during the lockdown... Um, during, um, you know, some of the winter months, um, that the sales have definitely, definitely picked up over, you know, the previous year. Um, of course, now that, uh, we seem to be at the end of this pandemic sales have, have trickled off a little bit, a little bit. People are outside more. It's getting warmer out there, but, um, yeah. Um, thank you, China for the pandemic. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Yeah, but I, mean, I guess we have to thank COVID for getting the hobby like completely reignited. You know, you never thought there was yeah. some some goodness right. out of something that was so horrific. Um, yeah. But I know for me, I mean, I don't, you know, because we had talked about doing the model geeks Dan, when Darren first kind of approached us. I mean, it took a couple years before we finally did this. And I think the model geeks and the just getting back into the hobby with so many folks getting back into the hobby. It's just been fun. You know, it's been, it's been a, at least there's some good out of this last year. That's not been so good, you know? So, um, absolutely. and it's, and it's great to see, you know, the, uh, some of the new sheets that you have coming out, even that you're, you know, some of the older sheets, what I have to ask, what's the, which sheet is the, is the one that you have the most of still in the, in the stash. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this one. But uh, just... So that would be um, the uh, TF9J sets. Gotcha. Um, uh, so I did those in 2014. Um, coincided with, um, you know, Bert's uh, Cougar books. Um, I'm, they're some of the, the sets that I'm most proud of. I love the set. The problem is that the kit's not so great. In fact, it's, it's not very good at all. If it was a Tamiya <laughs> yeah. kit, if it was a Tamiya kit, I probably would have reprinted it many times. Um, but um, the kit has some flaws, and I guess you know. I, I guess I, you know. A lot of times, you you put too much emphasis on what you hear on some of the forums. You know what people are, say they're looking for, uh, what they claim to be interested in doesn't necessarily always translate into sales. You yeah, know, for years yeah. and years, I feel like I've, I heard people say, oh, you know, we need a cougar. We need a cougar. Um, well, we need Tamiya to put out a cougar. That's what we need. <laughs> or Hasegawa. Or Hasegawa or yeah. pretty much anybody else. So, 
yeah. yeah. If Lindbergh does a cougar, it's like forget about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah. That was that was always a question. I was kind of, like, and I think I knew the answer, but it's like, you know, it seems like probably the sheets that sell best are the sheets that coincide with an awesome kit. You know, oh, without and that's, a doubt, that's just smart, and it's just, yeah, it's just it. it, it not again, going back to in, inspiration. I don't get real inspired to build a kit that I'm going to have to pull out the chisel and the hammer and 20 pounds of Bondo. I, I just, I'm at the point in my building career that I just, I just, I just don't want to mess with it. There's so many nice kits out there. I'll just build another Tomcat from, to me, well, you know, I'll put it. Yeah, exactly. I'll put it to you this way. So I have, I don't even know how many Tomcat sets at this point. But at least, you know, with the detail and scale line, um, I'm on Tomcat set number 11. Most of those are sold out. So yeah. in the universe out there in the world, there's, you know, tens of thousands of F-14 decal sheets out there. Um, that There just seems to be a never-ending um, desire for. Thank you, Tamiya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure and you I, must I have been. I expect the Phantom will be the same way. Oh, I'm sure you'll probably do at least one, maybe two reprints of that sh- of those sheets, most oh, likely. I, I yeah. think you just you can have more kids and you'll be able to put them through college. You know, yes. you, and that's the thing is that you established yourself from the get go. You did your homework and you established yourself um, by the quality of the product that you put out um, from the get go. And so it's just and it's it the, the sheets just keep getting better and better and better. And so. You know, when you have a combination of, you know, Tamiya putting out Tomcats and F4s, which have just hundreds and hundreds of different schemes. I mean, I hate, I, I'm just, I'm happy to say you got the market, my friend, because seriously, it, it makes me want to just like, well, I'm just going to focus on building Tomcats and F4s and I'll just buy every furball sheet there is and I'll do tons of schemes because it's, I'm not banging my head against the wall like I have been with other particular models that I've been working on where that's why I've got, I don't know how many sitting around sitting the squirrels sitting in their cages. Cause I'm just like, they're just unruly. And I just don't want to deal with them, you know, cause it's just a nightmare. You just don't have that with your sheets and with to me products. So yeah. it's a yeah. win-win. I mean, yeah, their, their stuff is so good. So good. And, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, and not just me, there's, there's other guys out there. Um, Shout out Brian Plesha, does a fantastic job. His Tomcat sets and all his sets are, are great. Um, but for sure, the the Tamiya Tomcat has been a real shot in the arm for for my sales um, because it is thanks to that silly movie. It is very popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that was awesome, the Navy's man. biggest rec- and most successful recruiting tool. Yeah, we'll see what the Top Gun Two does. I'm if telling you, I, I think, yeah, I guess, is it November now? Is November, when it's supposed yeah. to come out? November? Yeah, November so, 18th. We gotta go, we gotta go see huh. that. I, I was, I was luckily, lucky enough to be in, it was it, it bittersweet, you know, I, I was in Fallon when they were filming and, um, cause we were working with the Top Gun guys on a project, um, and I was just so jazzed to be walking around Top Gun and to see the pictures and the history it's just, and all the old classes from day one. I mean, 
I, you know, people would, we'd have a brief that we'd have to go to and they're like, where's freaking Nemo? And I'm like over off in the corner looking at all the old pictures from back in the sixties and seventies and all the jets and just the memory. It is, I'm like, I don't want to go to some stupid brief. Are you kidding me? And it was, I was there for a month. It was amazing. My only part that I just like cried every day, I wasn't allowed on the flight line. They were mm. like, nope, you had to go through all this you know, uh, access requests and you had to have the need to know and all this. And I just didn't think about that ahead of time to put paperwork in. And so I could peek over the fence and I could see the tails of just F5s and Hornets and I, I they wasn't allowed. And I would just go back to my hotel room and I would just be like, oh, you know, cause I could just see them. I mean, F16s and F5s and yeah. It was, it was real, but it was cool to be there. And evidently crews and the, the crews were there filming. We never saw them though. We never, we never, we never saw them, but it was, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see when the movie comes out. I think it'll be, I think it'll be awesome. So side story circa 1988. I think I was a freshman in high school. Um, my mom, uh, and my brother, uh, we went on this, uh, tour of the Southwest and one of the stops we made was uh, Las Vegas. And I was like, Mom, we got to go to Nellis. We got to go to Nellis. <laughs> and so she wrote um, our congresswoman, and uh, she apparently had it all set up. We were going to have a special tour, just me, my mom, my brother. And, of course, we get to Nellis, and they're like, we don't know who you are. <laughs> so my mom is like, my mom is like, look, this kid loves jets. You got to give – you, you got to – you got to get us, uh, you know, oh, I, I guess the Congresswoman had had arranged this special tour of the Thunderbirds hangar. And yeah. um, so after about an hour, somebody from public affairs finally was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take them back. So we go to the Thunderbirds hangar and their public affairs guys showing me uh, showing me their their jet. We're walking around the jet and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. What about those aggressors over there on the flight line? That's what I want to see. And he was getting pissed. He's like, yeah, but don't you want to sit in the cockpit? I'm like, no. I want to go check out those camo birds. God, I was the same way, man. I, I would beg my mother to take me to the airport just so I could watch the jets take off and get, and then air shows, you know, there's, I got pictures of when I'm just a little kid, you know, standing next to the pilots and, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, it's such a treat to always see that stuff. And, and, uh, any, any, and even now, you know, you got, you know, hopefully air shows will pick back up and, and you get some of the cool scheme birds that'll come out. You know, it's just, uh, it's like a little kid again, you know, mm -hmm. taking pictures. I have like my wife goes with me and she's um, here, get my picture, get my picture. You know, it's just, where's my next inspiration for my next build, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think that's why we are who we are. And it just, you know, it starts, it started at an early age. I, I hear the stories, us all talk and everybody's heads are going up and down because we're like, yep, completely relate. That's how it all starts mm -hmm. for us. You know, it's just it's and, awesome. And that's one of the good things about being a, a Navy brat. Cause my dad was a crewman as well. And during the summers, every now and again, he would take me to work. Usually it was on a weekend because we had to work a weekend, you know, I could come in and I would hang out in the mech shop and everything. And every now and when he got a chance, he would take me and let me like run around in the hangar and everything. And I'd go out on the flight line with them sometimes and check stuff. I used to go out there outside the hangar 
and it was over it was back in Miramar when back when Miramar was a Navy base and it was still Top Gun and just seeing all the E2s and the F14s and the A4s and you know, I could sit out there for for hours and so then you fast forward 20 some odd years so now I'm in the Navy and down in Jacksonville that ATAC company out of Newport News comes down and that's where they base out of when they're doing their stuff with the Navy and you know, guys in my squadron were laughing at me because I was sitting out there in the hangar up on a piece of GSE just watching these guys fly around. And they were just like, wait, we're thrilled, though. He's like, oh, he's outside watching airplanes. And they're like, well, Christ, the guy flies airplanes and he watches them, too. <laughs> and I would just sit out there for hours and just watch yeah. that stuff. And then Whitey and I, back when we were both, you know, active duty here in Pax River, we used to go over by the TC-7 steam catapult. And we'd go over there and hang out and watch them and watch like the F-35 yeah. and stuff like that. I could never Every understand I... military people who don't have an interest in what we're doing. You know, yeah, even, you know? even pilots. When I first was in Hawkeye squadrons, I remember my divo was a, a great guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking him like about airplanes and just, man, how'd you get into flying and all that stuff? And he's like, uh, I just woke up one morning. My buddy was going down here to talk to a recruiter and I went with him and the guy threw a test at me too. And I actually scored better than the other guy who was planning on going in. He never even went in. And then next thing you know, boom, 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 I'm flying friggin' in the Navy. And I'm like, so you had like no interest in airplanes at all. He's like, no, not really. <laughs> I just shake my head. Like, how's that happened, man? I just assumed everyone was an airplane geek that was involved in aviation. It's just not yeah. the case, you know? And my one of my the second to last flight in the Navy before I retired was I've always wanted to go to Davis Motham. That was like on my bone. That the boneyard was on my bucket list. I want to go there before I die. I want to check it out. And we were taking a P3 and dropping it off in the boneyard. So of course I'm the first one to volunteer to go. And I missed a, a model show to go. That's how that's how bad I wanted to go. So we get there and we're flying over. And Tower's like, hey, you know, you guys want to take a couple laps and check the place out? And the pilot, PPC's like, no, we want to put it on deck. And I just kind of looked at him like, <laughs> really, man? I was like, I was like, sir, it's the boneyard, man. Look at all this. I was like, come on, no, let's take a couple laps in the pattern. You know, let's go check yeah. it out. And yeah, no, man. no, I want, I want to get it on deck. And I was just like, oh, man. Oh, God. And so we got there on Saturday. And if, you know, those that don't know davis motham when you drop an airplane off they're only open monday through friday they got like bankers hours when you can drop an airplane off and so we had to park on the line and then first thing monday morning we would show up and taxi the airplane over to the induction yard where they would meet us and run through all the log books and everything and turn it in and so we we land and so we all get up you know, our names are on the airplane we're all signing the airplane and we go we you know we're doing whatever for the weekend and then monday morning rolls around we just show up in civilian clothes still and just get in. We start two and three and we just taxi over to the induction line. And it's kind of sad because when you go, you know, they have traffic, you know, they have guys that come out and they'll stop traffic and they'll open the big gate. And it's kind of like a, like a sad song you have playing in your head because you see this airplane and you know, it's probably never going to fly again. And it's just like the, like from the green mile, you know, walking the what do you say, walking the line or whatever it was walking the mile. And just, you know, this guy, you know, we taxi over and then we shut down and they're like, no, just drop the plugs and covers there. And where's your log books? They go through the log books. They sign, they sign the custody card and, and that's it. And you just walk away and he just sits there and 
probably never to fly again. Sad but it's, day. It's, it is, and you know, and it's an it's it's an experience. Cause I, I I was sad. I was legitimately sad. Like man, I was like, I can't believe this airplane, you know, is going away. And just the amount of airplanes that are out there is just. I think I took over like twelve hundred pictures. And I think the, the guy who, is when when you see those pictures of a freaking bulldozer or a cutter oh, cutting up yeah. tomcats that'll make that'll that'll that's like what the are you oh man it just makes you sick you see that and you're like don't don't cut don't cut those up no, I, you could you could give those to any museum be happy to take a tomcat yeah i'll take one i'll go buy some pro you know oh man cutting it up yeah it's just and it's just amazing because some of the airplanes out there still have the tail feathers and, you know, their tail markings and everything on them. And you're just like, Oh man, I remember seeing this decal sheet for this one, you know? So there's like yeah. the, the amount of references, references that are there, you know, I mean, they're old and, and beat up, but cause a lot of those airplanes were flown right to the boneyard and they just tape them up and they just sit out there in the sun. But it's definitely a cool experience. And they did one thing cause they have, you know, the Pima, the air museums attached to that kind of, and, I will give the Air Force props for this one, but when they went and started cutting up the old B-17s, B-25s, B-29s, B-24s, they cut the panels off the fuselage where the nose art was. And so in their museum, they have a lot of the nose art from different bombers from World War II. Cool. Like, I mean, you've seen that picture of the dragon and his tail, that one being cut up by the guillotine yeah, and everything. And yeah. And it was just kind of, you know, like, oh, man, you know, that, that's history. You know, I mean, that combat veterans. But, you know, they kind of got smart. And, like, they did it for B-1s and B-52s, too. You go in there and they have the the skin panel that has the nose art on it, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's all always something to provide inspiration, you know. And, yep. again, I think it's, you know, we always, we look back and everybody here, we're just, it's very similar stories, you know. And that it's that passion, because that's what... You know, that that love for aviation, some people have it like we do, and some people just don't even know what we're talking about. I feel sad for them. What's wrong with <laughs> Cause, them? Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I can't imagine, like, doing anything else. I mean, I knew from when I was little, all I wanted to do was, and it was particularly the Navy, you know, and I always wanted to build models. I just, it's something that it just went hand in hand is being in the Navy and just, you know, even just the smell of the PR shop. I just love it. You know, it's just, it stinks, but it's, that's just that smell, you know, it's, the gear just smells the way it smells. It's funny. Good deal, man. What an awesome show. For sure. I, thanks for yeah, having me. I, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Like, yeah. yeah. No problem. So the future. I'm so honored to be the first guest. Oh yeah. Well, we need to I have mean, like, a guest host to come on, you know, someone who can, you come on and do a show with us or something. All right. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Bench time yeah. with the geeks. I know I'm pers uh, myself. I'm, I'm very happy to have, uh, you, Jeff and, and furball aero design. Absolutely. As a, fr as a friend of the show. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on today. Anytime. Uh, some really I mean, good stuff there. Yeah. I love your show. Uh, I think I've told you, you know, I, I listen to you guys when I drive to and from work. <laughs> Got a long commute, uh, passes the time. Um, listen to you guys while I draw decals. So, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I, I feel awesome. like you guys listening to your show has definitely, uh, it's, it has been 
you know, somewhat inspirational as far as wanting to build, you know, putting down the, the, the mouse for a second, stop drawing for a second and actually get back to what the hobby's all about, you know, building. Yeah. Well, so hopefully huge. in the future I can do a little bit more of that, but that's huge. That's Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. If you're ever down this way, man, give us a shout. Well, be careful what you wish for, because I am getting hundreds and hundreds, thousands of decal sets in the very near future. I might need some help bagging. You know, just yeah. let us know, man. I'll <laughs> oh, come up man. and help you bag. That sounds like I'll come to you. Bags. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, come, come, come down on down, here, man. Bring them all, and we'll all get together, and we'll all just bag them together. We'll have a big that bagging like, party. That'd be awesome. I would love to do that. Happy to. All know? right. Yeah, all man, right. definitely. No, right. no, no beer during that though, because we'll be no. Uh, <laughs> no. Put, or putting or stuff in the bag and just jacking stuff up. Although it's so tedious, you might need some. You might need some. After we get the, you get the phone call from that guy. Um, I'm sorry, but you, you, um, you gave me two extra seats, and you didn't put this particular uh, one. And you're like, oh. okay, dude, I'll send you another sheet. All right, I got it. Yeah, but um, I was wondering. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, but there in the plastic bag. Yeah, I'm sure you have to put up with that kind of stuff. You're like, just smile, you know, give him a <laughs> that's all you can do or whatever. Yeah, give him a candy bar. Yeah, yeah, yep. cool, man. We'll well, make Jeff, that work. Thank you, thank we'll thank you for work. all that you do with the decals, and also you're a great dude. Appreciate you being a part of the show, and and thanks again for the kind words about the podcast. I think speaking for everybody. It, I kind of never thought that we'd even be on, be doing this, yeah. you know, it's just, it's so much fun and, and uh, appreciate the support and uh, anything that we can do to help you and your company. My goodness, just let us know and appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's been a whole lot of fun. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with the geeks and give us a little insight into what it's like to run an aftermarket decal company. And not only is he a friend of the show, but he's a great supporter of the Model Geeks podcast. And next time you're in the market for some aftermarket decals, go ahead and give him a go ahead and check out his site. It's www.furballarrowdesign.com. And he has, you know, like you said, over 100 sheets and he's bound to have something that you're looking for and can probably, you know, take your model to that next level. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, let's run the secure checklist. Parking brakes are set. Windshield, PTA, AOA heat is off. Fuel boost pumps are off. Hydraulic pumps one and two are off. Anti-collision light is off. And chocks are coming in. Wow. What a great episode. I hope everybody enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sitting here discussing our hobby. I hope everybody can join us for the next one. And for now... Keep your sprues empty and your display case full. Out from the geeks. Later, everybody. All right. Take it easy, folks. See you next time. Y'all have a good week now. You hear? <laughs> Out from the geeks. God willing and the creek don't rise. <laughs>